0: You are now listening to The Nosebleeds with your hosts, Corey Johnson and Kush Parikh. Be sure to check us out weekly on Tuesdays on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Follow us on social media to stay up to date with the podcast. On Twitter, at The Nosebleeds. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds. On Instagram, at The Nosebleeds. And on Facebook, at Facebook.com forward slash The Nosebleeds so high in like
1: I Yo, what up everybody? Welcome back to the Nosebleeds Podcast. That's KNOWS Bleeds. It's
0: your boy.
1: You already know it's your boy Kush, and I'm here with my co-host, as always, Mr. Corey Johnson. Corey, how you doing?
0: What it do, baby? Corey back in the building. What's going on y'all?
1: I like that intro. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: I know it's finals week for you. How you, how you hanging in there my man? <laughs> hanging in there for sure. Uh, just got through first uh, uh, Monday. Monday is always a hurdle but it sucks because it's like it's finals week for me but then at the same time it's also uh, also I, I'm working like every single day like Eight-hour shift, so it's 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 gonna be fun.
1: Ryan mode is real, but yeah, good luck to you in finals, man. But I mean, yeah, Mondays are the worst. But I mean, when you get Monday night football games like we just had between the Ravens and the Browns, it's hard not to like Mondays because that right there might have been the game of the year so far. You had. The Browns and the Ravens had heavy playoff implications on the line for this game, and it honestly felt like a playoff game. Final score was 47 to 42, and it was seemed like both teams were just punch, counterpunching each other for a total of 89 points scored this game. So if you had the over on the game, and if you had Ravens minus three spread, which the Browns helped cover with that last play safety, I mean, good job. You bet well, but the Ravens. First, let's talk about the Ravens, man. For me, being a Ravens fan, despite all the injuries this season, they continue to show their resilience, even though their season hasn't been going well at all. And Action Jackson was in full display, looking like last year's MVP form with almost 300 total yards and three touchdowns, no turnovers. And (laughs) Hollywood Brown, it was funny with with my my group chat popping off because there was a crucial play where uh, it was probably the second most crucial pass in the entire game for the Ravens where he dropped the pass and they ended up having to punt the ball. But then he comes the next possession and he makes up for it by catching a 44-yard touchdown. So it was a really roller coaster with Hollywood Brown. And then the Ravens won 8-5 and records, sitting at the 8th spot, one spot out of the playoffs because Miami holds that tiebreaker of the better conference record over them. And the Ravens really controlled their own destiny. They have the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals to end the season. So it looks like they controlled their own destiny to either make or miss the playoffs. They should go 3-0. But, Corey, what was your outlook on the game and on the Ravens?
0: Uh, It was a great game as far as, like, it being tit for tat. Um, I felt like um, Lamar Jackson, as you mentioned, had a nice stat line overall. But I think prior to him exiting the game, he was kind of – he wasn't, like, looking as potent as – we normally would expect him to. I mean, he had like a touchdown with his legs, but as far as throwing the football, he just didn't seem like he was on the money. But when he came back into the game, it was like a breath of fresh air for that Ravens offense. They needed him. And you just look at that final drive that he was able to just boom, 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 boom. Accuracy was on point. Throws were on the money. He was just sitting in that pocket, really just looked real comfortable, even though uh, the clock's ticking. Like, the, the, the time management of him and the Ravens on that final drive uh, for Baltimore was just amazing and ended up with the Justin Tucker game, goal. game field goal, which, can we talk about that field goal? Like, goal. that was so close to missing. I'm like, wow. But it's Justin Tucker. I can't Tucker, believe even, he made that. Even in
1: his post-game interview, he was saying, like, I don't mean to make the kick seem harder than it was just to make it seem like that much better of a kick but the and you saw it all game long the conditions on the field were bad Lamar Jackson was slipping Trace McSorley who came in for Lamar Jackson might have torn his ACL or meniscus with a slip and it, it looked bad and then you had Ravens defenders falling all over the place so it was just bad for the Ravens uh and and Justin Tucker basically said that in such a damp field that's been worn out for almost 48 minutes it's hard to kick in those conditions and He drilled it, and that's why he is the best kicker in NFL history. He's the most accurate kicker because of plays like that. All right, let's move on to the Browns. First of all, I'm going to just say this Browns team is legit. They're for real. Baker, Mayfield, and the Browns offense seems like they finally found a head coach that suits them well in Kevin Stefanski. They're 9-4 and right now, still in a good spot to get that playoff spot. And uh, this team will be scary for years to come, honestly. I mean – First of all, you might have the best backfield in the NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt duo. It's just scary for opposing defenses to go against. And if you're in the AFC North, then you may have to see this for years to come and seeing the amount of improvement that Baker Mayfield's made with his accuracy and with his poise. I mean, and not to mention, they'll get OBJ back next year. So I'm not going to lie. As a Ravens fan, they look pretty threatening. So, but... I mean, it was a tough loss for them, but the Ravens needed the win more than the Browns, and uh, I I think both teams could potentially see each other in the playoffs for uh, round three.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, the Ravens definitely needed this win a lot more than Cleveland, but I think that had Cleveland won this game, that would have been just, like, a huge, huge, like, big-time win for for the Browns because that – I don't want to say that would have like all but solidified them in the playoffs, but that basically would have made it even that much tougher for their rivals, Baltimore, to get in the playoffs, and it would have increased their chances of getting in. So, I mean, I don't know. Maybe if they don't end up making it into the playoffs, we might look at this uh, at the end of the season and be like, that might have been like turning point in their season. But like you said, they're sitting really comfortably at nine and four. The offense is starting to turn it around. And kudos to Baker Mayfield. I mean, didn't get the win in this game, but definitely has started to look a little bit more comfortable at the quarterback position as weeks have gone by. Um, After, you know, not looking as polished as he was in his rookie season, in his rookie sensational uh, season, he's definitely started to look more solidified at the quarterback position. He's starting to look more positive more like a leader on the field. And you just saw um, he made a lot of different plays with his legs, with his arm. And just each time that the Browns needed um, them to 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 score, um, Baker Mayfield was right there to try to get his team in a position to win and did pretty much all he could to put his team in a position to win. But ultimately, they just came a little bit short.
1: Let's move on. We got we're going to go with contender or pretender where we basically talk about each division leader in one team that you we think that might shake up the playoffs um, as a wild card. So let's start off with the division leaders in the AFC. Let's start off with the Super Bowl defending champs, the Chiefs, contender or pretender?
0: I think I'm going to say the Chiefs are definitely a contender. I mean, defending champs, yes, A lot of people have questioned whether or not this team still has the – when we looked at the schedule prior to the the season starting, a lot of people thought, like, this is going to be, like, a really tough year for the Chiefs. But so far, they've had some very minute slip-ups here and there. The offense is still looking potent. I would probably say the defensive end is kind of shaky just because of the fact that you know, we've seen them have to come. We've seen the Chiefs have to come from behind several different times throughout the course of the year. Just uh, this past week against the Dolphins, had a 10 point deficit and then they ended up being able to uh, pull out the victory in the end. But ultimately, with the Chiefs, I think that defensively is going to be the story of whether or not they repeat as champions because we know what the offense can do. We know what Mahomes can do. We know what Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill, and that juggernaut offense can do. But defensively, you know in the postseason, as much as I do, Kush, that it all comes down to can you stop your opponent? And at the end of the day, while, yes, you can outscore your opponent, it's just if the Chiefs have to come from behind, I just don't know if they're going to be able to duplicate what they did a year ago and have to come from behind every single time like they did in the postseason uh, in order to become Super Bowl champions. Because that is just – that's too much to – to put on the shoulders of Mahomes, which, granted, he did it uh, uh, he did it last season, but I just think that's way too much to put on your quarterback, especially a guy who you're counting on being your future uh, going forward.
1: I mean, I'm going to actually counter you. I'm saying that – well, first of all, I'm going to say that they're contenders. I think that's a given. And I'm going to counter you and actually say that – they. I think they have the ability to do that. If any team is to do that, it's the Chiefs, and I think they can do that. They just did it this past Sunday against the Dolphins. Because this offense, Chiefs offense, has little to no weakness. Pat Mahomes and company showed that even when their offense looked hideous in that first quarter against the Dolphins, and they still managed to put up 27 points on the board and find a way to win. So, I mean, I still think they have some tricks in that sleeve of theirs, but um, you said the defense basically is where their quote-unquote Achilles heel is. Pass defense isn't great, and their rush defense is ranked seventh worst in the league. So, we all know that when it comes to the playoffs – teams can pass the ball but they're also in the playoffs because they can run the ball at a high rate as well too so i mean the defense will have to get a few stops because so- sometimes for the chiefs like if it's, if they're just feeling it all they need is a couple stops from their defense to hold the lead and just to run away with it um but i think uh, one thing that i saw in the dolphins game which actually was pretty crazy and it just goes to show how complex their offense is is Mahomes almost every play has about three to four options. <laughs> that's that's how insane their offense is. Andy Reid has created that for Mahomes, and the Dolphins basically when teams game plan for them, obviously you take away the first options, which leaves another two or three options available, which be- has become somewhat the norms for Mahomes and Chief this entire year. But against the dolphins it was a simple plays they were sometimes leaving the number 1 option open and getting the second third fourth option and it was throwing Mahomes off and he was that's why he threw what two picks in the first quarter and it mm-hmm. just threw him off so, so, but Andy Reid is such a great coach and it was just simple stuff that they needed to go back to and they ended up winning the game so i mean if if teams can somewhat work that their magic and try to throw the chiefs off their game and then go on offense and take a big lead then i could see the chiefs being in big trouble Let's move on to the AFC North division leaders. We have the Steelers. I'm going to start off and say they're pretenders. And this isn't Ravens bias by me, but I've been saying that the Pittsburgh frauds had a successful undefeated season so far because they benefited from an easy early schedule. Really, they only really had two tough games before their last two losses, and that was against the Titans and round one against the Ravens, in which both games were one, uh, one score games. That they won, but they came down to the wire. Don't get me wrong. I'm no way calling them this team a bad team, because I know regardless of how easy your schedule may be, it's still tough to go undefeated for how long they did. But everyone's acting out here like they're the best team in the NFL. They're the best team in the AFC. They could actually win a championship for me. I think this defense is absolutely amazing and might be the best defense in the entire league, but their offense is so suspect. They're the 10th worst in the NFL in yards per game, and we've seen it being exposed the last two games against the Washington football team and the Bills, and their schedule doesn't get any easier either. They're playing the Bengals, which should be a win, but then they have the Colts and the Browns, both which are playoff potential teams, so I can see them going
0: one and two. Uh, I definitely agree with you as far as like them being pretenders. I think their biggest issue is lack of a run game. And I think that, like you said, the past couple of uh, games they played in and past couple of losses that they ended up having against the bills and especially against Washington football team, they just could not run the ball and establish the run, which of course, as you know, Chris, like you, if you can't run the ball, you can't, you know, then establish a passing game. So then that puts a lot of pressure on, good old ben roethlisberger (laughs) so you don't know what you're gonna get out of ben especially at this point in time in his career and i think that the main thing i fear with them is if ben roethlisberger gets hurt it's pretty much like ko for them like there's nothing else you can really go to there's no run game you can establish there's no backup really that you can really feel comfortable throwing out there is that's that's my biggest fear i mean the fact they had this much success i mean just goes to show how good of a coach mike tomlin is how dominant their defense is and how much they were just able to go on a spectacular run um uh, and not really have to face a whole lot of adversity i think it's good that they ended up losing these two pa- these past two games because instead of going dang near the whole season. uh undefeated and then getting bounced out in the first round can you imagine like doing all that hard work in the regular season just to lose it would remind me so much of when uh, the Steelers a few years ago got bounced out by the Jacksonville Jaguars and everybody was wondering what the heck and Jacks going-
1: were legit that year though
0: <laughs> yeah so I mean they had a really good offense that year but it was like everybody was totally surprised including myself that they lost to Jacksonville who ultimately wouldn't end up going to the AFC championship that game to play the uh, Patriots, so should I think have been in the Super Bowl. The Steelers are not careful; they could definitely run into the wrong team, or they could have um, a bit of misfortune because losing these past two games has now allowed them to lose that number one spot, and allowing the Chiefs to pretty much, if they don't lose another game, they're going to solidify themselves as the top seed in the AFC. Get that bye, and now all of a sudden. Pittsburgh goes from looking like they're going to get a bye in the playoffs, the first round to all of a sudden having to play the first opening weekend. So I think that uh, the Steelers definitely have some holes in their team and in their offense. And I'm just not 100% certain that this team is a legitimate official contender. And like you said, I think they're a pretender for sure. Yeah.
1: And I mean, even in that first round, if they don't get that first round by you got good teams at the bottom of the AFC playoffs seedings that definitely could upset them i think they they probably played most of them in the regular season as well too because you got the browns colts dolphins maybe the ravens so we'll see what happens let's move on to the afc south we have the titans what do you got Corey? contender or pretender
0: um it's really hard to say because I, I feel like i would mostly lean towards them being a pretender for me just because of the inconsistency with this team i mean A lot of people might say they're a contender, but at the same time, I just look at this team and I think I think offensively, Ryan Tannehill, yes, he had a a really good season last year. But has he been as great as he could be this year? That's debatable. I mean, Derrick Henry, yes, is always going to be a beast for you. But what happens when the run game's not working? I mean, then you kind of have to trust Ryan Tannehill. And like I said, that's kind of up in the air as far as like, whether or not he's going to be efficient with the football and be able to make sure you get points on the board. I think also the thing that's kind of been a little bit surprising for me, is just like the defense has been there at times, but sometimes some weeks I've been like, where, what, what is up with this team that was like hang their hat on defense last season defense kind of like has been a little bit inconsistent as well. So I, I don't know. I feel like the Tennessee Titans, um, I think it just depends on what type of opponent they can get. Maybe they can go on another uh, deep playoff run. But overall, for me, I I don't really see the Titans being like they were last season and getting to another AFC championship game this year, Kush.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you. This team, the thing is, is this team is so damn good offensively. I mean, King Henry's the best running back in the league, running uh, from a running perspective for sure and then Ryan Tannehill kind of has had a career resurgence in Tennessee I mean 3,200 passing yards 30 total touchdowns and only five picks so he's taking care of the ball he's not making dumb plays and uh, I think a lot uh, people need to give him a lot more love than what he's credited with but the, even if they stop The run game, I think Ryan Tannehill has so many weapons that not a lot of people talk about. First of all, A.J. Brown, this guy's looking like a top 10 receiver in the league. He's going to compare it to Terrell Owens out here. And then Corey Davis is having a bounce back season. Um, This offense is really good. Third best in the league, actually. But the reason why I have them as pretenders is their defense is absolutely horrendous. Seventh worst in the league Fourth worst pass defense and (laughs) rooted awakening, but uh, everyone that makes the playoffs will more than likely have the ability to blast the ball. So that's why I think they're pretenders, just because I don't think their defense will be able to hold up against some of these uh, tough opponents in the AFC. All right, and then we have the AFC East where we have the Bills in the division lead. And I'm going to straight up say these guys are contenders. I've been trying to tell everyone that the Bills are legit. I tried to tell Corey preseason, which I'm not going to knock him too much because he made a great prediction on the Dolphins. But, I mean, the Bills, I think they're finally getting the respect that they deserve after beating the Steelers on Sunday night football. Top 10 on offense, middle of the pack on defense. But I think just injuries throughout the season have really hurt them. And in my opinion, this team has really only lost two games and they got unlucky on their third loss versus the Cardinals with the Hale Murray and uh, Josh Allen continuing to put the put put himself on the map because this guy, he's basically showing the world that I don't just have a really strong arm. I'm accurate with it, too. And I mean, obviously, it does help to have Stefan Diggs as your number one receiver but I'm not going to discredit Josh Allen for that because he's been doing it with a rookie in Gabriel Davis, uh, John Brown, when he, when he ever, he's healthy. But, um, and this team has proven that they can beat playoff teams. They've beat the dolphins. They beat the Rams. They beat the Titans, the Seahawks and the Steelers. So I'm going to just go ahead and say right now that this team will be in the AFC championship. If the seating allows them to play the chiefs there and not before, but if they don't have to play the chiefs before the AFC championship, I think they're for sure making the AFC championship.
0: Yeah, I think, like you said, because the the main thing was, like, the injuries. But, uh, yeah, I'll admit, like, preseason, I was not high on the bills for sure. I felt like everybody was kind of hyping up the bills to go ahead and win the AFC East. And I'm just like, why? But I definitely see it now. Like, as far as, like, especially with Josh Allen, I didn't really think that he – uh looked like the guy who he is right now the past couple of seasons I felt like he was still a project he was like you know this guy with a strong arm but I'm just waiting and waiting and credit to Buffalo for sticking with them because they could have easily given up on him and moved on but they finally got that quarterback and if you notice the teams that have their quarterback are the teams that are in the playoff hunt they are in the playoff picture and and understandably so i mean i feel like uh bills mafia will definitely be proud of the fact that their team like you said can legitimately go on a deep playoff run this year if the seating is right and if they you know get the right matchups and the stars kind of align for them but overall i think like if buffalo um stays healthy down the stretch and if they don't uh get any sort of like major injury going into the playoffs this team could do something seriously special as long as like i said they avoid any serious injuries but i mean we'll have to wait and see because honestly i mean the past couple of uh, opportunities they had in the postseason i mean it was it was kind of tough it was kind of tough but it'll be interesting to see you know josh allen can he get that first playoff win and be able to get them into that afc championship like you uh predicted they'll definitely have
1: home field advantage if they lock up that uh Division title because if it's snowing in Buffalo, who it's going to be tough for our opponents to go over there and play. All right, but well, let's move on. We're going to go with one team in the AFC Wild Card or that are in the hunt for the Wild Card that we think can upset teams in the playoffs. Corey, I'll
0: let you go first. Who do you have? All right. So if we're looking at the teams that are currently in the hunt right now, I mean, we got the Browns, we got the Colts, we got the Ravens, we got the Raiders, and got the Patriots, we got the Broncos. I'm gonna straight up just discount the Raiders, Patriots, and Broncos. I don't even see those teams there. Um, the Browns, we already mentioned, they have a pretty solid all-around team, but I just feel like with new coach and the missing of OBJ, not too sure if that team is gonna be able to, you know, pull off an upset here or there, especially if they have to face like a team like the Steelers or the Chiefs. But And then with the Colts, they've just been really, really inconsistent for me. And I just, I I can't rely on old man Phillip Rivers. But with the Dolphins, that's the team I'm going to have to rock out. I feel like Brian Flores did a tremendous, tremendous job with this team. I feel like this team overall has surprised the living daylights of everyone. And maybe they just were like a regular season team. But I feel like if they get into the postseason, any of the teams that we listed right now that are uh for the contenders and the pretenders and and are currently leading in their divisions i feel like the dolphins have a chance against any of those teams they proved it against the chiefs uh, they just came up a little bit short i feel like they would give the steelers a good test the bills a good test the titans a good test and either one of those teams i feel like they would give them a good money's worth shot And I'm not saying that they were guaranteed to beat any of those teams, but I feel like they would be in the game and they could potentially pull off an upset. And all you have to do to pull off any sort of upset is just keep the game close. If you have the lead, try to secure it and just put the pressure on your opponent because you're not expected to win. So, all you got to do is just hang around and stay around. And as long as you stay within striking distance, you are putting the pressure on your opponent and you could maybe steal the game. So I feel like the Dolphins are definitely a team that could do that if they are able to get into the postseason.
1: Yeah, I'm right there with you, honestly. I mean, I want to rock with my Ravens, but I honestly, with the amount of injuries and the way they've looked this season, I don't trust them this postseason. And uh, I'm going to rock out with the Dolphins as well, too. And I believe you had said this in the preseason as well, but you said Brian Flores was going to win coach of the year. I did.
0: I, I did say that.
1: Yeah, and honestly, if the Dolphins can finish out strong and even going 2-1 because one, one of their games is against the Bills and that would be a tough one, which I don't think they win, but – I think even if they finish two and one, Brian Flores will win coach of the year just because of what he's been able to do with this team and how every loss of theirs has been a close game. They've all been one possession except week one against the Patriots, which was they lost by 10 points. Um, and he's doing this all while grooming a rookie quarterback at the same time too. So shout out to Brian Flores. And um, I, I actually, I know Cody's going to like this episode for sure. Just because <laughs> we're hyping up the
0: Dolphins so much. Um, and you know, what's funny. And You know, what's funny is that, like, Brian Flores, for all intents and purposes, I have not heard anybody mention him as, like, being a quarterback whisperer. And meanwhile, you got Adam Gates with the Jets, supposed to be a quarterback whisperer with Darnold. And you just seen the regression get worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm just thinking, like, man, like, kudos to Brian Flores being able to make that change. And, I mean, he made that change – from Fitzpatrick to Tua when the Dolphins were winning games so I mean it wasn't like they were struggling and like oh just throw out Tua there because I mean it's like
1: and this first game was against the Rams too which we'll get exactly. into in a bit so that's what but... I'm saying
0: like kudos to him to do that because a lot of people were kind of looking at that like yeah you want to see the rookie quarterback go out there but does that mean that the Dolphins are like trying to tank for a draft pick or are they trusting Tua to be the guy and so far he's been their guy and there's been no complaints in Miami for sure.
1: Yeah, and for me, I, I, the Dolphins don't necessarily have the pieces to win a championship this year, but they definitely have the coaching to do so. So that's why I think they can definitely upset some of these teams that are in the playoffs. And mind you, they've been so banged up with injuries and COVID, and they still have an 8-5 and five record. If everyone's healthy and they make the playoffs, they, they could see – no, sorry, they will upset teams. All right, let's move on to the NFC we got the nfc north packers i'm going to go off and say contenders where is a aaron rodgers this dude ages like fine wine and only and and seems to get better despite the organization not getting him help at wide receiver for some odd reason um, i mean if you look at him right now his he, he's having an mvp season almost 3700 passing yards 41 total touchdowns and only 4 picks at the age of what what is he 37 38 something like that um and then i mean it helps to have a guy in the backfield like aaron jones and jamal williams and then Devante adams continues to score 12 touchdowns in his last eight games and he scored in eight consecutive games which is absolutely insane so we know the offense is there and the offense will create po- problems and it's a super bowl caliber offense but the defense this was their big achilles heel last year their run defense was so bad but this season 12th best defense in the league and they've slowed down the opposing uh, run uh, offenses compared to last year and they made the NFC championship last year and in my opinion I feel like they only got better from last season
0: yeah I completely agree with you I mean it's the the, their defense is like far from the defense that got steamrolled by Raheem Mozart in the NFC Championship game against the 49ers.
1: Mostert ran all over him.
0: All over him. All over him. And, like, that was just, I think, a big wake-up call for them. But like you said, Aaron Rodgers has been the big-time story for this team. I mean, the fact that, like you said, didn't get a whole lot of support as far as getting a top-tier wide receiver or some sort of position player or weapon that he could utilize in the draft or a free agency – But he said, hey, I'm going to make the best of it. And kudos to Aaron Rodgers because a lot of people were saying that he already has one foot out the door and he's ready to get the heck up out of Green Bay. But he's been focused entirely on just playing and doing his job. And so far, he's been putting up the numbers, like you mentioned, and he's been putting together a very good MVP caliber season. I think I would definitely put them as contenders, no doubt. Um, One of the things that I guess – would just make me feel legitimate and like solidify with them as if like their defense started to, you know, pick things up a little bit more. I mean, beggars can't be shooters. I mean, the, the Packers defense at this point is kind of what it is, but overall, I mean, just thinking about it, like when Matt LaFleur first came into the fold and how like everybody was saying like, Oh, Rogers is going to hate this guy. These guys are going to be butting heads. And you look at what those two have done together. I mean, making the NFC Championship game and now, once again, atop of the NFC, currently holding that number one spot and on cusp of maybe getting a first-round bye. I mean, I think things have been all rosy and fine and dandy between those two. And so far, the Packers would uh, be uh, in a very good position, uh, thanks to Aaron Rodgers and the way that he's been playing and Matt laferre the way that he's been coaching.
1: I mean, if we're going to give praise to Brian Flores, I think it's only right we give praise to Matt LaFleur and say that if they finish out the number one, with the number one seed in the NFC, I think he sh- could be a coach of the year candidate 100%. All right, we got the NFC South. We got the Saints. Corey, contender or pretender?
0: It's so hard for me to, like, really evaluate the Saints because on one hand, we see them with Drew Brees, and they've been meh. And then on the other hand, with Taysom Hill, they've been looking pretty solid all around, and it's kind of crazy. But I don't know. I, I, it's hard for me to say that they're legitimate contenders when they don't have their number one quarterback at the helm. Um, I know they've been pretty much trying to do it with Taysom Hill and trying to do it with whatever they uh, they pretty much got on the field at the moment. I mean, Alva Kamara is still you know out there doing his thing, too. But I guess with the Saints, man, I just I just I would say pretenders at this point in time, just because, like, even though they've had some signature wins, especially over the Bucks, beating them twice and in dominating fashion. Um, but I don't know. It's just like with New Orleans, I can't really make heads or tails out of them just because on one hand, I want to say that they're a, a legitimate uh team that's buying for a Super Bowl but I'm like they don't have their number one guy there in Drew Brees, so it's kind of hard for me to to rock out with them so right for at at this point in time until I see you know Drew Brees come back into the fold and see how what he's looking like as they get into the playoffs I I can only say pretenders for me
1: yeah I'm I'm kind of on the same boat with you and I think without Drew Brees, only until he comes back we can kind of decipher whether they're contender or pretenders and I think if he comes back this Sunday his first game will not be an easy one because he's going up against Kansas City this Sunday and I think that's going to be a true testament of whether the Saints are contender or pretenders because after all they are 10 and 3 even after losing the Jalen Hurts and the Eagles which was huge because they had the number one seed and they needed that extra leeway for this Sunday in case they do lose to the Chiefs um, and without drew Brees, but they've been three and one without him granted the teams they played were not good they played the falcons twice and they played the broncos so but i think the big reason why they've won those games and they have the record they have is because of this defense the second best defense in the league i mean they can do it in the past they can do it in the run and they're just that good defensively and if drew Brees can get back into the swing of things and end the season um with with all things all cylinders firing and he and he doesn't have any bad luck in the playoffs anymore cough cough minnesota miracle and the terrible non-pi call um i could see the saints in the super bowl just like my preseason prediction and you know maybe meet up the chiefs there and could beat them
0: yeah i think like you said like The past few years, I felt like the Saints were a legitimate contender to get to a Super Bowl. It's just like you said, they run into some very, very, very bad luck. But on the same token, it's just like it's just like it's just been a weird season for them offensively. Like even prior to Drew Brees going down with his injury. And they're still sitting at 10 and 3. That's the crazy part. I know. I know. The record says like we should be saying that this team is like a legitimate team. But I think it's just mainly because, like, the the defense is like keeping this team afloat. But the defense
1: is the reason why I'm calling them a contender. But if Drew Brees can get back, then
0: oh, yeah, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. If Drew Brees gets back and he looks a lot better than he did prior to getting injured, then oh, yeah, 100%. You got to say this team is a a legitimate contender to get to the Super Bowl. All
1: right, let's move on. We got. The NFC West with the Rams, which a lot of people are calling this potentially the best division in the NFL. Um, we have the Rams leading the the division right now, and I'm gonna go ahead and say contender. This team has to be the most underrated team in the league right now. I yeah. I know I know I was disrespecting the hell out of them throughout the entire season, Me but too. seeing the last few games, they're pretty legit. They have the best defense in the league, both pass and run, and uh, the fifth best offense in the league. Who saw that coming with a backfield that was going to be running back by committee and with Jared Goff? I mean, Jared Goff has been doing a great job being a game manager and not making terrible mistakes. Um, He was doing that earlier in the season, but I think they've definitely polished it up. But if Jared Goff can do a good job basically, like I said, being a game manager and not being the Jared Goff we know him to be, this team could make the NFC championship. And, I mean, we talk about that backfield. Cam Akers is finally looking healthy, which adds an entire another dimension to this offense. And uh, they have a competitive last three games of the season, but I think they can go 3-0. and I mean, they have the Jets, which should be an easy dub, but then they have Seattle and Arizona, which are two division opponents That uh, that those two games are really going to rock the NFC West.
0: Yeah. I think one of the things I, I would agree with you as far as them being contenders, 100%. Um, I think that loss to the 49ers uh, at SoFi, their first ever loss at SoFi Stadium, kind of was like, like, whoa, what the heck? Like for me, I was like, whoa how the heck did you lose to the 49ers? But the 49ers are a really good team despite their record. They just had a, some really bad injuries. But overall, I feel like with the Rams, um, I was surprised at how well they played this season. And I mean, like, I really shouldn't have been because McVay is still, I think, a, a solid all-around all-around coach. I think uh, Golf has definitely had another resurgence in his career, and he's sort of come back into into light. But I think it's been the running game that's really like been like the pillar of this offense, and um, especially after letting Todd Gurley go and you know, kind of putting your trust in a running back by committee situation. I mean, we've seen that kind of work in certain situations. We've also seen that not work in certain situations. So, I mean, the Rams really had to retool uh, their offense. And so far it's been pretty solid. But, I mean, you even think about, like, how good this team has been, and there's a small, small chance that they could miss out on the playoffs if you think about how crazy like that division is. But overall, I think that the, the Rams are legitimate. The Rams uh could, like you said, make a push for the NFC championship and maybe even get to the Super Bowl. Um I don't want to big them up too much though, just because I feel like I just I just I just feel like with the Rams, like I don't know. I feel like that team man, like they're they're good as far as like amongst their uh their fellow NFC teams. But I just feel like with the Rams, uh, I don't know. I mean, like Arizona, the Seahawks. I don't know. I feel like they could be, they could be, they could be gotten by any one of those guys.
1: Yeah, it's possible. But the way they're playing right now, if they continue this level of play and they can finish out the season three and zero, they are going to do some damage in the playoffs. All right, let's round out the last NFC division, the NFC East, which. Do we even call it a division? I don't even know. But basically, we have the Washington football team. As the division leaders right now, who knows if they're going to even be the division leader by the end of the season. The fact that the last place team still has a chance to make the playoffs, and it's just ridiculous how crazy that division is. But, Corey, you have them as pretender or contender?
0: I'm going to say pretender for the strict reason of – uh it's kind of just weird how this team is, is winning games at the moment. Like when you think about it, like they've gone through how many quarterbacks (laughs) and and somehow they're still able to get victories. Um, This team's defense at times has been really scary. Like you saw they shut down the Steelers, but then on the same token, like they, they could be, they could fall victim to a team like the giants or the jets. So, I mean, like, uh the Washington football team I think like this has been a really good overall season from where you look at all the drama that surrounded them in the offseason and then you look at you know kind of like where things kind of went for them I think that this was a really good despite whether or not they make it to the postseason or not this was a really good season for them and I think uh uh, that has a lot to do with their, with their defense and with Ron Rivera uh, sort of uh, coming into the fold, but they have got to figure out what's going to, you know, be the situation as far as with quarterback, especially if Alex Smith is not going to be able to go. Uh, Cause I think he's obviously going to be their go-to, their go-to guy. Um, but if he can't play, then, I mean, they gotta, they gotta be able to still pick up victories. And I just don't know if they can continuously do that. And, if they get to the postseason can they be able to you know rise up against you know all that's going up against them and be able to to take out a team despite their bad record and playing in a very very bad division
1: yeah i mean first of all i'm pretty pissed that we even have to talk about the division because i feel like we should be giving this division no attention um but no disrespect to washington football team but their record is what it is for a reason. Um, And like you said, they're having major quarterback issues right now. Dwayne Haskins is looking like he may be starting this next week. And uh, (laughs) that's just all bad for me. Um, But I will say their defense is so fun and so good that like for coming years, that's (laughs) they're going to build that team off of the backs of that defense. And Chase Young might even win rookie of the year defensive because I feel like he has just been able to unlock another gear, another level to this defense, kind of what Nick Bosa did with the Niners last year. Um, and I think this this team can give a playoff team in the first round, maybe a run for their money or a little scare, but I don't really see them doing anything. But that defense, I'm just going to say years to come, if they can keep that defense together and no injuries, and they can just get a quarterback um, because they have, weapons on offense Antonio Gibson's a baller uh Terry McLaurin's a baller um Logan Thomas baller so I mean they just need a quarterback and bolster up that offensive line and this team could be a division a legit division winner not a not a five and seven six and eight whatever the hell they are uh division winner all right now same thing we did with the AFC we're going to do that with the NFC with one team in the wild card or in the hunt that you think can upset a team in the playoffs Corey. i'll let you go first
0: um i'm gonna pick uh the seattle seahawks i mean despite just how weird of a season this has been for the seattle seahawks i mean now first and foremost kush killed me for this but i did have them like being worse even though they had jamal adams for my uh preseason prediction he was like what the heck but um I had them finishing third place in their division and still making the playoffs but I just didn't I wasn't sure whether or not they were going to be able to win it but if you've seen at times like this team's just been so scary uh when you look at Russell Wilson when you look at DK Metcalf when you just look at like all the different weapons that they possess on the offensive side of the football but the funny thing is even after trading for Jamal Adams the defense has been the the weakest link out of which you would say should have been a really stacked Seahawks squad. I think that um, if the defense needs to just figure out as far as – I don't want to say, like, can you shut down teams, but can you just make it manageable so that Russell Wilson can kind of save the day? And I think that if you come up against a shootout against the Packers, a shootout against the Saints, a shootout against the Rams, or the Washington football team, I think the Seahawks are a team that you can say, like, any single one of those teams they could beat.
1: Yeah, the Seahawks is a good one, but I'm gonna go with the Buccaneers. I had this, (laughs) I had this team going 15 and one (laughs) in the NFC championship game. And now here I am saying that they could upset teams, but you know, they, I still think that they're pretenders, but I think that they can upset teams. And, um, I talked about it last episode, but basically the big story was how good their offense looked. And it looked like a damn fantasy team, but if you look at their stats, they're really just mediocre, and their defense was going to be their Achilles' heel. But they had the fifth best defense or the best run defense in the league. So I really think that it, this defense, if if the, if the offense can somewhat start clicking, and Bruce Arians and Tom Brady can somehow magically get on the same page with one another, uh, I I could see them potentially upsetting people because I mean their last three games uh, being pretty easy. I definitely think they're making the playoffs. That's without a doubt. But, but whether they'll be able to upset teams or not, it's it really rides on Tom Brady and Bruce Arians being on the same page.
0: And they have not been on the same page. I mm-hmm. mean, how many times has Bruce Arians called out Tom Brady throughout this season? Two times, three times, four times? I've lost count, Kush. I've lost count.
1: Yeah, it's been a shit show for that offense over there. But, hey, you never know. It is Tom Brady. He is uh, nicknamed the GOAT for a reason, so you never know.
0: And I think they really just brought him in. So that way, if you get to the postseason with Tom Brady, I mean, realistically, you don't know what could happen because he's done it time in and time out in the past. So this year could maybe not be any different. All right.
1: That's basically our pretender or contenders for the NFL. Um, Hit us up on our social media if you agree, disagree, or we're missing out on a team that you need to tell us that, hey, keep your eyes on this team because they could do some damage in the playoffs. Let's move on to the NBA, though. We have drama, drama, drama. And let's start with the H-Town drama. It continues. James Harden still wanting to be traded despite the addition of John Wall. And first of all, John Wall, he has been looking good. He's been looking like him old self back in Washington. Um, And it's honestly a great sight to see because the guy who tears his Achilles who relies on so much athleticism and explosion to see him still being able to do that. It's a great thing to see. Um, but Love yeah, to s- see it. still beside, despite that <laughs> James Harden. still like, get me out of here basically. Um, and Harden finally actually practiced on Monday after testing negative for six straight days, which I still don't understand the logic behind six straight COVID tests, negative tests. I I, I don't get it, but NBA, you did a great job in your bubble, so I'm not going to question you guys.
0: For real, for real, for real.
1: Um, Harden does make his preseason debut on Tuesday with the Rockets when they play the Spurs, and uh, there's also basically Steven Silas He's been saying that the conversations with James Harden has been a good conversation. And Silas basically said that they had a good disu- discussion. He was locked in. He was asking good questions. He's bringing up good points. And then not only with the James Harden trauma, you have P.J. Tucker as well, too, who's disgruntled about not receiving a contract extension. And he's in his last year of his four-year $32 million deal. So, I mean, with all of this stuff going down in Houston and other teams in the West getting better, the Lakers are only getting better. The Warriors could be back to what they were as playoff teams. You have the Suns getting better. What do you make of all this with the Houston Rockets?
0: I mean, it's good for the Rockets and their fans to be able to see John Wall and DeMarcus Cousins playing very well in this preseason. But at the same time, I said... James Harden had no interest in playing with this team. Just in the last episode, I was saying, like, this dude is so tired and he sees the writing on the wall. It's like, realistically, in the gauntlet that is the West, against all the teams that you just mentioned, the Suns, Warriors, and the, the defending champions, Lakers, are the Rockets a better team than any single one of those teams? Or, or – capable of beating them in a seven game series in the postseason i mean that's that's up for debate and i mean when you don't have that guarantee i don't want to say guarantee but when you don't have like as of more of a it, it's so difficult to compete again in the west compared to in the east like james harden is so desperate to get out of the western conference he's like get me out of this conference like that's why majority of the teams that he listed that he's trying to go to Eastern Conference teams, Bucks, Heat, Sixers, uh, the Nets, Nets all yeah. in the East. This man is done with the Western Conference. And I don't blame him. He wants to get back to the NBA finals. The man's been there one time in his career, and that was where he was a sixth man. He
1: wasn't even the quarterback yeah, star sixth of the team. That was
0: way eons ago. So I'm like, James Harden is just trying to win. I don't blame a man for trying to win. He's made money, he's been the focal point of a team he's been an all-star he's been an mvp he's like look man i gotta win it's time for me to get a chip
1: he turned down 50 million he said i'm trying to get a chip
0: hey he's trying to get a chip he's trying to get a ring and i don't but really the thing blame is the,
1: the thing is is okay let's just say he plays this out he plays a preseason with the rockets do you see his mind changing at all in the slightest of bit? do you see any hope for him to be to stay on the rockets
0: Honestly, I mean, there's always hope. There's always, like, you know, a guy can change his mind. Um, But to be honest with you, it's like I said, like, I think the turning point was, like I've been saying, when the Rockets could not beat the Warriors in that 2018 seven-game series in the Western Conference Finals, when Chris Paul got hurt, when they missed those 27 threes in game seven, that was it that was their that was their opportunity that was their chance and it was gone ever since then and realistically for Harden I think when you look at the landscape of the west and you compare it to the landscape of the east it is a lot easier to get to the NBA finals if you go to the eastern conference and join up with one of the contending teams so again I think that right now his mindset is dead set on trying to get to the NBA finals. Money is money for him. He's got sponsorship deals and yada, yada, yada. He's made plenty of money. He's blamed an all-star numerous amounts of times. He's been MVP of this league already. It's like, that's all relative and fine and dandy and cool. But I mean, everybody knows that winning the championship is put in such high esteem for a player's career that, If you don't get a championship in your career, it's like wow, he had a great career, but he just didn't win nothing. (laughs) Then couldn't get on a winning team. So I don't blame Harden. Like I said, for trying to, yeah, I mean, like great players have played in the NBA and just have not won championships. And James Harden is not trying to be on that long list of guys who missed out on not winning a championship. It's the same reason why we criticize KD. It's the same reason why we criticize LeBron. But at the end of the day. If these guys finish their careers without winning a ring, they'll be criticized more for not winning a championship versus for them jumping ship and leaving and going to a new, a, a different team. So, I mean, people want to say that, like, he should just play out his contract or people want to say that, like, he's going about it the wrong way. It's like, dude, like, if you are at your job right now and you don't want to be there, you can walk out the door and quit. <laughs> if you're at your job and you're unhappy at your job, you're going to be like, look, what can I do to get the heck out of here? You're not going to want to be sticking around. Like, because who wants to go in and be like, dang, I got to see these dudes every single day, and I know we not going to win a damn thing. So it's like, bro, the Rockets are a fun team. You look at them, and they look, they've looked fun this preseason. I'm not even going to joke. Like, they've looked fun. And it's crazy because it's like their leader, the guy who's supposed to be Uh, their best player doesn't want to play with him. (laughs) And that's
1: not the only thing that I think the, Biggest thing that's kind of getting brushed under the rug is the fact that they have a brand new head coach too. So it's like James Harden barely just had his first practice with him. He's having his first game with him, uh, preseason game, mind you. And it's like, are they even going to be on the same page? Is it going to be – is he really going to be a coach or is he going to kind of let James Harden do whatever the hell he wants like Mike D'Antoni kind of did and let the offenses run through him? So, I mean, that's also a big thing that I think factors into James Harden wanting to be there and not wanting to be
0: there. I'm just curious to see how far is Harden going to, like, take this trade demand. Like, is he going to push it to the point where, like, he sits out games? Is he going to push it to the point where he literally, like, goes back to the way old days of James Harden not playing defense and just (laughs) let guys make easy layups? Like, I mean, like, how how far is he willing to take this to where Houston's just going to be like, well, look, we got to get rid of this man because either he going to just make us look bad or he's just going to you know, make our franchise like go through, you know, the gutter and we just got to trade him or are they going to be? Because right now they've said, look, we're not trading him unless we're getting a comparable return back. Like they told the Nets, unless you are including Kyrie or KD in the trade, we're not trading him. So kudos to the Rockets for saying, look, we don't care if you want to leave. We don't have to trade you. So you could be mad all you want, but you will be mad in Houston.
1: Yeah. Well, I think ultimately he will be traded just because NBA is so player-empowered, basically, and because of what they have the leisure to do. Like you just said, sit out games or not play defense, stuff like that. Um, so I think he does get his trade. But since we're talking about the Nets so much, let's actually move on to them because the Nets, I feel like, already have a little bit <laughs> of drama going on. and A little? I mean I I will say a little cuz compared to what they might have during the actual regular season Yo, we you can never look. Know.
0: let's look, let's note this right now before the season starts we said this this is the amount of drama that they have by the, by mid season they'll have a laundry list of drama that's probably going to happen
1: we shall see but to start things off with the the season and the drama we have kyrie irving addressing the media as pawns after missing his media session and he finally spoke to the media on monday but Kyrie and the Nets were fined $25,000 each for not speaking to reporters and issuing that statement. And then you have Kyrie already going back on his word, talking about in October, the Nets don't need a head coach, and now he's praising Steve Nash as a head coach. So it's just already a whirlwind over there, and the Nets um, the Nets, already making uh, headlines, and not in a good way either
0: i seen something to where Kyrie and KD were both on Instagram live with each other and they were talking about each other's games and they were talking about, and Kyrie was saying like, he was saying like how when he looks at KD, he's like, I, I was you in like a past life. And I'm like, bro, like my point guard is over here talking about how he wishes he was like a seven footer posting up down low doing turnaround fadeaway jumpers. I'm like, yeah this, Bro, this was, offense is gonna be so good
1: I was watching that and the they were just they were literally KD was like all right you're gonna get two and a half post up he's like yeah you can get two and then the half one I'm just gonna pass it into you, you gotta pass it back out to me <laughs> <And> <laughs> just like, they're, they're already talking about the touches between each other oh, like man. I
0: said like yo like I feel like their relationship is cool and like I feel like They both kind of understand each other, which is why maybe this won't go off the rails as much as I kind of like expected it to. And I think like a lot of people kind of expect this thing to not work, but it could just maybe work because they have such a good relationship with one another. And they seem like they have like a genuine friendship, which is probably why they wanted to play together so badly because of the friendship that they have between the two of them. But I mean, it's a lot different, as you know, Kush, like it's a lot different when you might be friends with somebody, but like at the same time, like when you have to work with your friend, it could be a totally different story yeah. because maybe your friendship might not be good for your working relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, but like, I feel like with the the Nets, uh, they looked good like out the gate, like in their first preseason game. Kyrie was doing Kyrie things, putting on the show. Literally, I man, I would love to see Kyrie go at it one v one with some of these NBA players, man. Because I feel like he could realistically put almost every NBA player in a blender. Like the we man has to, moves. We need
1: to start. Moves. We need to start a a, a petition. We got to start. We got to start a petition of making there be a one-on-one event at All-Star Weekend. I know we're not going to have an All-Star Weekend. Yeah, we're not going to get an All-Star Weekend this year. But when they do, because I don't know if you've ever seen on YouTube, like when they had the USA camps, yeah. like they had those one-on-one drills where exactly. they're basically because going at and it's, games that's, games. that's the best against the best. And it's literally like you also see guys like that's where kind of Devin Booker kind of made everyone realize like damn this dude is a walking bucket and it's like so it's kind of cool if the the NBA could put on an event like that. Yeah, because then
0: that that could allow like guys who may not be good in like the five on five play be able to shine because it just opens up different avenues because a lot of people always say like um oh I wish that like you know obviously we would get to see like Michael Jordan or LeBron James go one on one. But like people don't like sometimes realize it's like yeah like Mike might lose that one v one but like five on five, it could be a totally different story. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, that's why I say like one-on-one doesn't necessarily determine who the better player is, but I feel like it could, it could be a good like looking to see like, damn, like these are like the best one-on-one players in the, in the league right here. And Kyrie, I feel like would definitely be one of those guys. It's just interesting for me to see where this Nets team is going to go. Cause they could be one of the best teams in the East, in the league, mind you. And then, then again, they could, as I'm thinking, be one of those teams that are going to make the playoffs, but maybe they just don't have what it takes to make a deep playoff run, and, and maybe they get, you know, bounced out in the second round.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. With the Nets this season, I think this team will either be playing in the NBA championship or potentially knocked out in the first round if they're not a top three seed. I I really don't see anything in between. It's either all or nothing with this team. Because, I mean, they have the talent to win a championship, but, will they have the chemistry. That's the big thing. That is
0: absolutely the big thing. And I think, like, you hit the nail on the head. Like, they have a really deep roster, And like the guys they They probably have the best bench
1: in the league because pretty much all their starters from last season really just moved on to the bench. You have Dinwiddie, they picked up Shamit, they got Torian Prince, Jared Allen, and Karis Lavert if he doesn't start or Dinwiddie, however they want to start that two guard. But yeah, that's damn near a starting five right there. That could be the best bench in the entire league.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like I guess like my whole thing is is like when you, especially when you mention chemistry. I mean, we was looking at the Clippers last season, and like they on paper had like I felt the best team as far as like being able to have the most depth and and the deepest thing. But we, we sit like, we say all the time, like chemistry is such an underrated thing in the NBA, just for the fact of like, you could have that, that roster, you could have like the names or you could have like the bench or whatever. And it don't even matter because you got no chemistry within your entire lineup. So I think the biggest thing for the, the Nets throughout the course of this season is not just the chemistry between Kyrie and KD, but the chemistry overall as a team, like they all have to be on the same page. And if you start to see the little squabbles, if you start to see the little arguments, if you start to see or hear rumors about there being like some, you know, infighting or whatever, Steve Dash, man, you picked the wrong team to <laughs> coach for your first ever coaching debut season. I'm like, yo, this is the wrong team that I would want to roll up the red carpet and be like, yo, I'm head coach of the NBA. It's like who you got? The the Nets Kyrie Irving and KD. It's like, good luck, bro. Good luck.
1: Yeah. Um, and I mean, when you talk about the two stars, KD and Kyrie, you already kind of said that Kyrie, I mean, is Kyrie and he's gonna be great offensively. Uh that we alluded to but it's kind of as off the court drama that you said could lead to animosity onto the court between the team but kd i mean coming off an achilles tear he's looked good yeah he was struggling shooting in his first preseason game that's obviously just rust from not playing for a whole year so he'll shake that off in these preseason games or maybe a a week or two into the the season, but I mean, offensively, he still looks like he has that explosion to him. Defensively, we're not going to really see until the regular season starts because I don't think he's going to put too much defensive effort during the preseason.
0: Nobody really is during the preseason, to be honest with you. I know a whole lot of guys are going that hard, unless you're Patrick Beverly. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're Bam bio literally saw this man Bam bio dive on the floor for a loose ball. I'm like, this man is crazy. Paul
1: George was doing that too. I was like, guy. You are so injury prone. Don't be doing <laughs> like, that shit.
0: But like it's free season, bro. Chill.
1: But you'd love to see it. Um. But, okay, I'm going to ask you this question because I kind of have uh, my mindset on this. And it might be crazy, but do you think this team gets better trading for James Harden or worse? Because I'm going to give you my opinion first. I think they get worse because th- seeing what they would have to give up. Let's say they keep Kyrie and Durant. They would have to probably give up Dinwiddie, Karis Lavert, Jared Allen. Who does that really leave you on the bench with Shamit? Well, Shamit would probably move to the starting lineup because alongside Joe Harris and uh, DeAndre Jordan and then Torian Prince, like who is really on this bench?
0: Like exactly.
1: So yeah. I, I honestly think that if this team, if the chemistry is 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 somewhat good, and you can see that okay, this team is still a contending team even with the on, on the court and off the court with their chemistry. I mean. I think trading for James Harden could be an L for them because that's another ball dominant player that needs the ball. Doesn't really play off ball. I'm not saying he can't, but he really doesn't. I don't think we've ever seen that since what his second year in the league. <laughs> and then second I mean, we know we know KD. Could, yeah, we could, we know KD could play off the ball, but Kyrie can't really. I mean, he can. He played with LeBron James, but that was like a one-two punch. It wasn't really he was playing off ball kind of a thing. So I mean, you have three ball dominant players. How the hell is that
0: going to work? Exactly. I feel like, like you said, they would definitely get worse. And it, it it would probably, like, ruin the chemistry throughout the entire course of their whole entire team. Like, you would gut your whole team literally just for this season. Like, <laughs> because going forward, how would you be able to compete, like, realistically with James Harden, Kevin Durant and Kyrie, like as just like your base three. And And free
1: agency is so depleted art. Like I get if they would have made this like before free agency started, they could have got a lot of veteran minimums, but it's like free agency is so depleted. Like
0: you really can't. Yeah. Personally, I'll tell you the team that might need to get on the phone and maybe like think about trying to get James Harden. And that's probably the, the Philadelphia 76ers. Realistically, you look at the team that they have right now with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid as their main stars. You also got Tobias Harris in the mix as well. They did a good job, I feel, of like letting Horford go so that they could get better spacing. And on paper, this team might not be as talented as they were a couple uh, a year ago or a couple of years ago. But I feel like they sacrificed talent for chemistry and fit and fit. Yeah, yeah, fit. with their current roster. But if they added James Harden into this mix. Now, if that's be it sacrificing uh Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid, let me ask you this, Kush. would you give up Ben Simmons for James Harden if you're the 76ers? See, it's
1: so damn tough. I would I would give up Ben Simmons for who he is right now, but I exactly mean, if, but if, you're if, looking at the potential of what Ben Simmons exactly. could be. The- if if the guy ends up developing a jump shot, you're gonna be kicking yourself because this guy exactly. is literally a mini LeBron James with I mean, I would say better defense than what LeBron James had at Ben Simmons' age, Fair. to be honest. I so, mean, it's,
0: it's, yeah, it's comparable. I would say yeah. it's comparable.
1: But, I mean, yeah, it's just a jump shot. I mean, that's, that's the problem with <laughs> your like team.
0: Just get a jump shot, buddy. <laughs> and I mean, but, but I would and, do that trade right now, like you said. I would do that trade right now if I was Daryl Morey trying to maybe haggle with my old team and be like, hey, uh, James Harden available? I ben mean, Simmons, I'm pretty bro. sure
1: he's been on the phone already. With I'm that, sure.
0: But. I'm sure. And they probably say, but yeah, also, the, bro, we thing is, for a <laughs>
1: the thing is, is Doc Rivers, man, like that's their head that's coach, the whole... too. And I can't, I can't, I, I still have a sour taste with Doc Rivers and I still think he's overrated as hell. And that's why I think yeah. no matter what the Sixers do, they're still gonna Just knock not gonna into the to the promised land. Yeah, exactly. But so.
0: personally, if you gave me the option, like if, if the Rockets were open to it, I would probably give them Ben Simmons um they probably would need like another player uh just so they could maybe like m- have match like, up, the, money the contracts. match contracts yeah yeah and then um a pick and then like there you go Houston there you go I mean that's a nice little package right because that
1: pick and roll between Embiid and Harden and, and Harden? then and then like, you have and then you have Tobias Harris or Danny Green or Seth Curry in that corner just waiting Zach, for the kick out too like that's so dirty crazy. and that's why I that's said so I would crazy. trade Ben Simmons I would trade Ben Simmons, even though I'm a huge, huge fan of
0: Ben Simmons. And I, I just think that like Harden gives you a, so much better. And I, yeah. I feel like that would legitimately like, make them go from like a mid-range Eastern Conference team to top three, top four at least.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: And James Harden would have the opportunity to compete for a championship. And you know he would be fired up at the sight of that. It's just, I don't know. I think like the thing with that is, is like, you're putting a lot of stock in canon Embiid stay healthy. And we always know like you don't you never know if this man can stay healthy. Cause as soon as the B goes down, then it's just like pretty much the James Harden show <laughs> yeah. back in Houston all over again. So
1: well, I think getting James Harden, because we've seen James Harden can literally score in every single way, that I think it could definitely take a lot of the pressure off. Because when you're when you're Peb Ben Simmons, you're at the three point line, you're playing Six, seven feet off of him, and basically denying that entry past him and beat or whatever. So I think with James Harden, there will definitely space the floor and less physical contact with uh, Joel Embiid, which could help his durability.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, if they pull that trigger, I mean, you heard it here first on the nose, please, man. Ben Simmons for James Harden. What would y'all think? Y'all think y'all doing that?
1: Imagine if. The Bucks and the Sixers meet up in the playoffs. You have James Harden going up against Giannis on <laughs> Oh, the hatred between those two guys is actually hilarious. I don't know if it's definitely hatred per
0: se, but it's it's, it's oh yeah saltiness. that's right because didn't Harden say like yo I wish I could be like seven, seven foot feet
1: whatever. tall like no. my, my offense would be so easy and it's just like damn well because just took M V P from him. I'm not gonna lie he did not not this past year but the year before that that was James Harden's MVP. He averaged thirty six a game. Come on. I Multiple mean, fifty point averaged, triple doubles thirty
0: points and didn't get an all star from so I mean yeah, I don't that, know. That's the NBA know.
1: voters for you basically I don't
0: know. I don't know. I mean A man averages 30 points and can't get an all-star, so.
1: Yeah, that's literally the NBA for you yeah that's pretty much gonna wrap up this episode let us know what y'all think with the pretender or contender or if you do the ben simmons for james harden trade or how you feeling about h-town with john wall and demarcus cousins and the nets if you think that you know chemistry is not going to be an issue let us know on our social medias we're on twitter at the underscore nosebleeds that's k-n-o-w-s bleeds instagram the nosebleeds on facebook check out face or Check out the Nosebleeds podcast. And uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, give us a five-star rating. Really appreciate that. But other than that, I think we out. Deuces. See ya.